Experience worship. True worship. Experience the word. Bringing you wholeness. Experience the warmth of fellowship. Experience wholeness at Lighthouse. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday at the Lighthouse. House 7, Plot 2 Stroke 3, Kudratabiola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. Visit our website at www.lighthousenergy.org or contact us at info at lighthousenergy.org. The Lighthouse, lighting your pathway to destiny. I'm here okay. already, so. <laughs> Thank you. So we just want to have a chat with you. Okay. You have told us about, in fact, you have said a lot of things. But I know that there are people here who want to hear some practical things, particularly about being a wife. Okay. And being an influence. Yeah. So can you please just take us through your journey? Okay. Of which part of my... Of, 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 of family. Years. Of family. Now. Of life. Of family. Okay, of family. Because I know that there is a process. Of course, you have three sons. But I'm sure now yeah. they are, they no. are men. Yeah, I have three amazing boys that okay. are men. Yes. Yes, they are men. But my so, baby is still my baby. Your baby is still my baby. I understand that. But so, can you just take us through that process? Because they, we are, of course, there's nobody older than you here. Anyway. No. So. Which is a good thing. <laughs> my, my gray hair counts for something. Okay, well. So can you please just quickly take us through this journey? How okay. did you get to where you are today? Having in mind that you've always had this family. That I always had the family. That you had a family. Okay, well, let's start from the fact that I'd started my business before I got married. So I obviously was on a track. And for all of you, bottom line is you have a life before you became somebody's wife and you became somebody's mother. And who you are is the core of your person. If that core suffers, everything else will suffer. And if you do not come to a place of peace and fulfillment with your own dreams and your desire, you'd always feel like something is missing. And you're not able to give your best to your husband or to your children because you're unfulfilled. And I've seen too many miserable women in my life. Too many women who say, oh, I gave up everything for my children. They didn't ask you. That's just the truth. No, bottom line. You know, so don't come and now guilt trip some children and all of that. Every woman has a responsibility to make sure that she lives the life she was given. Why? You're going to account to God for your life. Don't ever kid yourself. It's one woman and her God. And when you get to heaven, the Bible has told us, remember the story of the seven brothers that married one woman? And they were asking Jesus, what did he say? When they get to heaven, they said, whose wife would she be? What did he say? There's no marriage in heaven. At the end of the day, marriage is for a purpose on earth. Why? Because God wanted a safe space for us to procreate, a place of support for each one of us, and a place of fulfillment, but he wanted it done in a legal structure that did not allow misbehavior. Mm -hmm. 
That's what it is. It does not excuse you from your accountability for your own calling. A lot of women mix it up. Once you get married, everything else goes. Marriage is now the purpose of your life. Well, if God called you to be a housewife, but in, even in a housewife's mandate, there are assignments. Maybe they're called to mother God knows how many other children that have no mothers, and you will see their ministry in the way they do. They live their life. So you must first understand that there's a day of reckoning. You will account to the Lord for your life. So if you like, come and think that you will use your husband or your children as an excuse. It's not acceptable in heaven. You're going to account for that. So I never lose sight of that. And I started my business before I met my husband. I got married on my 28th birthday. I already had a manufacturing factory. I had 28 workers working for me. I was set up on my way to somewhere. So the man met the woman in the shadow of who she was going to be. But he could have a sense that this one is going somewhere. So when they tell you, hide yourself so that you'll be able to marry, if you hide, you'll marry the wrong person. Because the person the guy will see will not be you. When you now want to unveil, you have deceived the man. Because oh. it's true. Because you showed him a different person. He has a right to want who he wants. You have a right to be who God has called you to be. And to marry the right man for who God has called you to be. So once you can get that foundation right. Knowing that your husband is a key success factor in your life. So you cannot afford to marry wrong. It's not an emotional, it's handsome, he's tall for where? He's tall, he's handsome. Okay, feed him a little. Every slim man on his wedding day soon has pot belly. When you finish all your experiments on him. So things, and life and seasons happen. You know, you could have an accident and end up with a broken leg. I'm not saying that's all. I'm just giving you, you know what I mean, blatant examples. But life happens. So it's really about the person, the character of the individual, that person's fear of God, the ability to love who you are. And who you are is all of who you are, including your ambition, your vision. You will never be the best of you every day, but so will your husband. He will never be the best of him every day. So it, it's really having that understanding. And then when you marry the right guy for you, you will still have some days of troubles because that's just life. But you have a greater opportunity to work together for progress to be achieved in each of your lives and to influence the life of your children positively as well. Because if you respect each other's strength, you will help to nurture each other's vision and ambition. When my husband met me, as much as I said, you know, I started uh, my factory, I had 28 workers and all of that. Well, there's no way you could have phantomed all the things I became exactly. and all the things I still am. But if you marry the right guy, he will grow with you. Mm -hmm. He will grow with your growth. Because the fundamental love for who you are, for your gifts, for your talents will be there. And as they emerge, he would be excited by it and celebrate it. I think that's my biggest gift. That I married a guy who has the capacity to grow with my growth. Uh -huh. And who loves everything that I become. Who takes more pride in who I, I am at every stage of my life than even I do. So, if you're single in this house, please, don't be in a hurry. Don't marry a guy because he wants to marry you. I repeat this over and over again. Marry him because you want to marry him. The difference in that 
is that by the time you say I do, you must know why. If you have a sense of who you are, you will know if it's the right fit for you, no matter what he has. And when you do, 50% of the problem is solved, and then you can move forward. You will work together to raise your children. Some days you'll be able to show up for husband, wife, uh, husband and children. Some days you will not, and it will be okay. Mm -hmm. Because you, you will be supporting one another. Mm. I've said a lot. I have the tendency to take 10 questions in one question. <laughs> you have said so much. Because I was just going to start asking. No, I don't want to pray that way. How do you choose? <laughs> how do you choose right? How do you do that? But then again, please tell us about the times and seasons of life. You know, my time and my season is not yours. Definitely. So, I can't tell you about mine in order for you to mirror mine. All I can tell you is that no matter what time and season that you're in, if everything we spoke about earlier is operating in your life, you will get through it. Mm. It's true. If you understand that your life belongs to the Lord and that your assignment is for him and that you know that he's on your side, God is never against you. The Bible says everything works together for your good. The Bible also says that his thoughts towards you, they are thoughts of good and not of evil. To bring you to an expected end. That end is predetermined by God and fully understood by God, but partially understood by you. Which means you can't get there without trusting him. So there are seasons you will not know why, but you must know that his thoughts towards you, they're thoughts of good and not of evil. And you must maintain your journey according to his word. Don't change your values because of seasons. Mm. So I've always had money. All of a sudden I don't. There's a sugar daddy chasing me with all the money and a new car and everything. Then what? You become who? An Aristo girl? It's short-term gain for long-term loss. Wow. That is just the truth. You know, what those kind of men do is they take your future from you for peanuts. Because what they give you that you think is something is nothing. It's child's play for them. It's crumbs. But they will take from you eternity. They will take your future because you can't sleep with one old man today. You now meet one young man. You now set, think you've changed your ways. He now says, you know, my father is dead. My mother is dead. But there's an uncle who remains as my father. Okay. And then he tells his uncle, I'm bringing my girlfriend to you. I want to get married. Uncle is waiting. They prepared all the food in their house. And then you show up. And the uncle is <coughs> Even you, all you can do is look down. You already know that that wedding is over. Why? For a momentary short-term thing. You want to carry designer bag. To do what? The bag that you will know where it is in a few years' time. I don't care how much they sell it. You know, so, guys, get real. Get in the word of God. If what you're doing isn't serving God, you're out of his will. If what you want, God has not given you, you don't need it. That's just the truth. And it will cost you seasons. It will cost you to fight battles. But you see, the reason you can fight your battles successfully is that you're consistent for all times. Is that your values can be trusted. Is that you will have people that can speak for you. Why? Every day, you're writing a book about your life by how you live. You're leaving a trail. There are observers to your life. Your entire life is on a stage. There's an audience you have not invited. They are watching you. 
One day, one time, in one season, they will have to speak for you or speak against you. They would only speak by how they have experienced you. So you have to learn to be more intentional and deliberate about the legacy of your life that you build. How do you treat people? Last time you were driving, somebody drove anyhow. You got down, you abused the man from head to toe. Child of God. You insulted them. Everything you did, when you got in your car, you felt bad. But guess what? Your next interview for your favorite job that you want is next week. You've been preparing for it and praying. Then you show up. Who is the chairman of the interview committee? The man you abused on the street. He's just going to laugh. He will let you speak all the grammar. You might not even recognize him. Yeah. When you finish, when you have left, you say, forget that one. Everybody says, ah, oh, but she was smart. She was, oh, forget her. One day she burned this office down. If you do, you go ahead and tell them the story of you on the street. Hmm. You're laughing. This is life. I am telling you, this is how seasons show up. I have fought many battles, but I have seen God rise up for me. But in God rising up for me, I have seen my past speaking up for me. So just remember, every day of your life counts towards your future. Leave it right. Deliberately. Be willing to pay the price for righteousness. Sometimes it's expensive. But you know what? It's the cheapest thing when you get to the place where it would speak for you. Thank you. Just... <laughs> It's like you preempt my next question. Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit. Because I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you about sacrifices you have made. Ah, plenty. To achieve, you know, because ev now everybody, of course, we all know you. You are known everywhere. If we, 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 we all know you. And you have been no, around she got for a while. it right. Know of her. You know, yes, we know of her. We know of her. So, and people are looking at you now and saying, Particularly in this generation, they want... You want to be an Ibukwa Oshika? Yes. In fact, that's your first mistake. It's true, because why do you want to be me? You should want to be the best of you. Wait. All I am doing is living my life as the Lord has given it to me. All I want to do is be the best of me and to die empty. Hmm. Nothing left. That is the gift of God in my life that I will not have totally expended. But I can admire you, but I don't want to be you. So I don't want to live anybody's life. And I don't want you to live mine. I want you to live yours. Why? Because the most successful life you will ever live is the life that God has assigned to you. Now, there might be something in mind that would help you better walk yours, but you don't want to be me. You want to be, your, because except you've walked every step of my life, you cannot be me. And you are not wired to be me. Because the code, why do you think our DNAs are different? Why? Let me tell you the thing that amazes me the most about God. Every time I have seen women that have gone to do plastic surgery. Wow. How many people have seen them? <laughs> Once anybody touches your God-created face to make an adjustment. If I, even if they did one minute of it, I, would, I can tell. And if you look at them closely, they all look the same. 
everybody that has done a facelift, a mouth lift, something fundamentally changes that makes them all have one particular kind. I am not joking. If you want to really know, go to cities like Miami, LA. You know, there are the cities in the world where that's their full-time job. Go to Malaga. You know, all those places where, where you stand by the beach or where you see all those boats. All the girls are facelift girls. They all look alike. Why? Because when God made you as an original, every time you tamper with it, you commonize yourself. Wow. There's a fundamental change of code that changes who you are. So please, learn from me or anybody else. But guess what? The best way that you'll be the best of you, whatever anybody shares with you as information or that you observe, that's all information. It's not instruction. Counsel is information. It is not instruction. Your instruction can only come from God by the Holy Spirit. And it will be specific to your life and your own situation. Why? The situation you see today, same situation for 10,000 people by leading to 10,000 different destinations. Hmm. So if you take my answer as yours, you, you know, I'm a graduate of chemistry. Science is how I think. If you take, this is your center, just a tiny twinge off the center in degree, it can end so far away yes. from the center. Yes. It, it's just, that is exactly how it is. You don't want to move off the Lord's compass for you. You really want to live your life precisely according to God's plan for you, not for anybody, which is why you should never copy anyone. Never use another person's club. If your friend is successful 10 years ahead of you, be happy for her. Celebrate her. Be grateful for what you have. Celebrate the place that you have. Your own place will come. And it will come at the right time and the right moment for you. And you'll be satisfied and you'll be happy. If you, because your friend has done this, you now go and do the wrong things. You will miss your own mark, yet you will never be satisfied in another person's room. Just know that. So please, don't be me. I want you to be the best of you because all I'm trying to do is be the best of me. That's all. Thank you. Okay, so, because I'm running out of time, tell us about being a wife. What does it mean to be a wife? The woman that is married to one man. Yes. I hope. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's about a relationship. It's first, it's about the choosing. We talked about that. Yes. Then it's about understanding that you are in an unbreakable covenant. Mm. Now, I didn't say when they want to kill you, you should stay there and get killed. Though. We know that. Yes, good. So when I say an unbreakable covenant, it keeps you grounded when you understand that it's a covenant relationship. It makes you accommodate the fact that two different people from two different backgrounds in terms of places are trying to be one. The Bible said, and the two is one, deliberately. I don't think the translators of the Bible didn't understand English. The two is one because the purpose of God is that you will come and you'll be embedded into one another. When you have embedded something, it's very difficult to tear it apart. 
Whenever you tear it apart, there's a portion of this in this, there's a portion of this in this. That's why I said it's unbreakable. Because no matter how long apart you are, there's a part of one another that stays with you. That's part of what creates a challenge with divorce. Mm -hmm. Why people will be divorced, but yet they're not separated from the situation. They're still sort of caught up emotionally, mm. one way or the other. One of the things you must understand is you must seek to accommodate yourselves. You have to work together as a team. Everybody has their worst days and their best days. Yes. And don't judge your spouse by their worst days. Remember their best days as well. And help them through their worst days to become better. The thing is, the way you both came to the relationship, ideally as you move forward, because of influence of one another, you will realize that you're both transforming in a way until you get to maybe your perfect state. Now, your best help is God. I have learned how, if my husband does something, I'm not going to go and report him to anybody. I'm going to report him to God. Everybody has a master. That's my rule. Everybody has a master. So if we're saying something and you don't understand, hey, I'll go and talk to the one that you, you will understand his instruction when he gives it to you. And if I feel the Lord has sent me or instructed me to do something and you don't understand that that's what I need to do at that point, for peace and for authority of leadership in the home, I will wait for you, but I will go to God and get him to come and speak to you because everybody has a God. That's my rule. So if I can't talk to you, I send your God to you. And at the end of the day, we will align somewhere. And in December, I'd have been married for 33 years. Yes. You know, I, 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 went, I went to the salon, I think it was Friday, to do pedicure. And the lady was, oh, I love your rings. I said, yeah, me too, I love my rings. <laughs> That's, and then she said, ah, they look like you just got married. I said, well, we change our rings every 10 years. Mm. It's true. So this is my fourth set, set of rings. So I take one from the last one and the last one and add to my new set. So every 10 years, we just agree that every 10 years we'll change our ring. So it's like, start afresh, mm. you know, give yourself a newness. And then you also make an effort to build, you, you have to be deliberate and intentional about your relationship. Mm. My, you in my crazy busy life, I diarize the seasons I need to be with my husband. So we need to take a trip in January. It's blocked off in my, in my diary that January of every year is out. There's like an April-May trip that we do with two other couples. We're six some. We've been traveling together for over 15 years. It's diarized that we're going to go off for this. There's the time. You know, you tend to find ways to keep yourselves together. I do a lot of traveling up and down. So sometimes you're just going to find that you don't feel like doing this by yourself. Why? Because you realize I've been disappearing too much. Why don't we do this? It would help me if you really go with me on this trip. And then you do, because you're trying to deliberately create some time. But you also learn to respect your individuality. As much as you're one, there are things you love to do that are separate. And I think it's healthy. You know, I don't want to lock you up 24-7 as what? I'm here, obviously. Well, my husband traveled this morning, so I'm here. But on many Saturdays, I could be somewhere preaching, and my husband is at home. However, my husband loves going to, we have a beach house somewhere on the waters. 
He likes to go on the boat and go to his beach house. Me, I don't like it. I don't like water. <laughs> so once in a while, the day I say I want to go is like a party in my house. Everybody is excited. But he loves it. So why should I deprive him of something he loves? Just because I can't go. So I can now sit down and say, ah, if he's going to the beach house, maybe there are girls going. Maybe there's this happening. Maybe there's... You will just die for nothing. <laughs> The guy wants to be happy. He knows what he likes that makes him happy. He hangs out with his friends. It's his way of relaxing from Lagos. Wala. Then I will not become the problem. I'm happy that he's happy. Mm-hmm. Then I'm happy preaching, speaking. God knows where I am. And then even if I have nothing to do, I'm happy to just sit at home and do nothing. Mm-hmm. My boys are exactly like their father. So in my house on the Saturday... There's always, my kitchen is busy planning for who is going to the beach house today, who is going out. They, they like it. Good for them. But good for me too that, see, I'm here. So you must accommodate each other. That's the point I'm making. Don't, don't, you know, we, sometimes we're too serious about these things. We make it too jugu jugu jugu. Ah, life is easy, I beg. Anyway, thank you. Enjoy okay. your life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think maybe we can take him just one more. Okay. Um, how do you raise Luckily, you have three. You have three boys. How do we raise responsible sons? That one is God. No, no, it's true. Because honestly, there's no formula. The formula, the best you can do is the best that God gives you grace to do. Teach them the most you can in the ways of God. And your best shot is between zero and ten. All right? Between zero and ten, if you hold them in church... And sow the seed of the word in them. One thing I've realized, they will not forget. Because from 10 to 20, you'll be struggling to hold it in. Why? They're fighting a battle. It's not even their fault. There's a whole world. They're discovering themselves. There's times and seasons. There's ways of life. Then those, all, These are kids that we then send off to school in England and all of that. There's a cultural war between what they're being told by their teachers in school in England and what you're telling them. After a while, it sounds like you are some old age parents talking from, from space. From age. You know, and all of that. But as you keep praying and you engage that relationship and the conversation, you have to. And you cannot be stuck in your ways. You are not God. And you are not their God. That is the truth. You're not God, you're not their God, but you are their assigned guardian. So, you're going to do the best you can to continuously engage and have conversation. And sometimes they will mess up. And when they do, they must still be able to come to you. Because once they cannot come to you, then you're in trouble. Because they will go and get counsel against you. So, it's a journey. And one of the most difficult things you will do with boys is that in that stage is also the stage where there's a war of identity between them and their fathers. Because they're becoming men and the men of African descent Mm -hmm. are also acting like African men. Mm -hmm. Which is, don't do this, do that. That ba 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 And the kids are wondering. They want respect at that stage, but the fathers also want think that being a father as their father has fathered them, yeah. is yes. to tell you, do, do not do, ba, 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 ba. And the kids are also trying to self-identify. 
So the woman, at the end of the day, ends up as the arbitrator. You're in the middle between the husband and the sons. And you better ask God for help. It's true. So that you can manage the balancing act to get all of them together to destination. Because you do need your boys to have a good relationship with their father. But it's usually a battle between teenage to being 21. They become closer later. But if they miss it also, it can be destroyed for life. So you need to really be intentional and deliberate. As much as you can, find prayer time. As much as you can, find family time. Go to dinner together. Doesn't have to be expensive. Go out. Just find ways. Plan some family holidays. Create some family traditions that help you. You know, and boys need encouragement more than you realize. More than even girls. Because at that stage, they're very unsure of themselves. Girls are unsure, but girls are more confident till 16. It's why girls do better than boys at school, mm. in secondary school. There's a stage that girls are smarter. It's because their focus is different from the boys. There's a stage where the boys become more focused. Then the girls become more self-aware. So they then get distracted. So they, 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 you have to really try and understand. And all of that science is correct. It's just how you manage it. So that's why I said you need God. Because in every season of it, the right tongue, the right word, the right support, the right level of chastisement when you need to. But yet, you know how Yoruba people say, you use one hand to chastise a child, you use the other hand to, to, pull, to draw the child in. There's a balance to it because there's a place where you overdo and you destroy the child. So, it, it's, um, I'd like to say I have a formula for you, but I don't. But God is my formula for everything. I do my bit, the best I can. I can tell you. I mean, I had kids. Well, my last one is still in university in England. But my kids, well, I've been in school in England for the past 15, 16 years. And I know that for 15 years of being from prep school till university, because there was always one in prep school, secondary school, even as the ones in university were getting out, I never missed a parents' meeting or exit, which meant I was on the plane every three weeks. Yes, I knew that I owed it to my children to show up. No matter what my life is, I chose it. And there's a wide gap between my first is 10 years plus older than my last. Wow. Yes, my second is seven years and four months older than the youngest. So frankly, by the time I had that youngest one, I thought I was done. I had no business. My life was busy. So I had to keep reminding myself, this boy didn't send you. I had to show up. So once you realize the things that are not negotiable in your life, I cannot outsource mothering my child, but I can outsource many things. And everything I can outsource, I outsource. Anything somebody else can do better than me, I give it to them to do. I pay you. I send money on errand. That's my policy. Yes. Thank you. Lastly, just lastly, my association. 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 Yes. Show me your friends, they say. I'll tell you who you are. Honestly, one of the most important decisions you make in your life, outside of who you marry, is your circle of influence. 
the women or the men you allow to speak into your life. You have to be intentional about it. You must vet the people. If you say, oh, I have six close friends, sit down, evaluate. A, who is she? What value does she bring into my life? What value does she represent in my life? Why, what kind of influence is she for me? When I have a moment of challenge, what would she say to me that satisfies, that adds up and matches with my values, my goals, and who God has called me to be? Will she build me or will she bring me down? Because when you're vulnerable, the people around you control your destiny. And if you have not been deliberate before then to choose them intentionally, then you've set yourself up for trouble. Oh, I can have friends from primary school, secondary school, all good. But at every stage of your life, evaluate where you are. What do you need at that point? What is important to you? What kind of friends are purposeful for where you sit and where you want to go? And some friends are there just to say, hi, how are you? You know how the Bible says, oh, no man, nothing but love. You, all you should have with them is love. Greet them, smile, and go. Why? Because you know that they will get you into trouble based on their ways and their values and their words. Some mean well, but they have no capacity to understand your ambition. It's not their fault. They don't mean to harm you. But they're not in a place to understand where you want to go. You can't blame them for that. I blame you. If you now take your ambition to a place where they don't have capacity to, because what would they do? They will step on it. They will tell you, ah, you don't need that. I know a young woman who was in one of my programs came from the bottom of the pyramid, but has done amazingly well in her life. Is in oil and gas business, successful. But you know, in the class, I remember she was just crying at a stage of our conversations. And I had to ask her, why are you crying? She said it was the first time she was in a place where she felt safe to express her vision and her ambition. Why? She said all her friends, who her friends she's had from childhood, who were from the same place, to them, she's already a superhero. She's so successful in their eyes. Don't let anybody cap where you're going by their own ability to measure. Because to them, she's so successful, she has no business wanting to be more. Yet, to her, sensing the opportunities available to her and the capacity that she has, she had so much more she wanted to do. But she couldn't find the voices to move her forward, to lift her up. So she started doubting herself and said, ah, maybe it's true, maybe I want too much. When you get to heaven, God will not hold your friends accountable for your failure to maximize your capacity. You will be held accountable for the gifts that you were given. Remember the parable of the talents. It's about you, what you do with what you are given. That's what you account for. So when I say I want to die empty, I have clear understanding. And I listen to no one. So when people say to me, ah, you've, you're already successful, I laugh. By who? Who is measuring? 
I sense the scope of God and the scope of God's gift in my life. And here I am. I just turned 60. Yeah, I've done so much, but so what? If I'm still living, because if I'm done, then you die. Because why are you living if there's nothing more to do? Let's be clear. If there's life, there's work to do. And there's so much more to do. So please, pay attention to your circle of influence. To the people you call your friends. To where you run to. To where you're vulnerable. To where you commit your vision. Check the values. Do they align? Because when you are doubting whether this is good enough to do or not, if you have the wrong people, they'll push you over the edge in the wrong direction. But if you have the right people, they'll hold you from the edge. At every point that you're at the edge, some will push you over. Some will push you away from the edge. It's about who they are. More importantly, it's about those you have given that power over your life. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. This message is brought to you by the Lighthouse Christian Outreach Center. The Lighthouse, House 7, Plot 2, Slash 3, Kudratabiola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. For inquiries, please log on to www.lighthousenergy.org for more.